thanks to the Chung family, especially Ellie. This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. Mark 12, 28 to 34. Out of reverence for God's word, uh, let's all rise as we read. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good morning. God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. There was this article in the Wall Street Journal tried to explain that real love does not come from God. Instead, love is just a bunch of chemical reactions in your brain. According to the article, here we go, according to the article, Valentine's Day is here to get ready to send and receive heart-shaped chocolates and cards decorated with big red hearts. But, wait a minute, not so fast. Neuroscience has discovered that heart has very little to do with romance. For accuracy, you should send your main squeeze, uh, your, your sweetheart, a Valentine's Day card with the image of what? With the image of squeezy gray blob, uh, evocative of rotting cauliflower, and that is the brain. Because that's where romance really resides. And instead of saying, I love you, the knowledgeable lover would say, darling, every time I look at you, dopamine floods my caudate nucleus. Well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but like I said, knowledgeable lovers, probably a scientist. I should know. <laughs> but anyway, love, love and attraction are all tangled in this convoluted wiring of the brain, that's what they claim. So what is love? Neuroscience tells us that love is a condition involving neutrons, and then uh, neurons, I'm sorry, neurons, 
and neurotransmitters, hormones, receptors, and circuits in your brain. Cognitive science defines passionate love as elevated activity in the brain pathways, which cause feelings of euphoria, strong motivation, and heightened energy, which can which can induce sleeplessness, loss of appetite, and obsessive thinking about the beloved. You know. The mistake that this article makes is failing to distinguish love based on doing what is right versus love based on feelings, emotions, biochemical reactions within the brain. True love, God's love, is a choice. That is, it is choosing. Uh, it is choosing to treat someone. As if you love them, even if your emotions and feelings scream otherwise, and the person is is undeserving on a human level. The apostle, the apostle Paul, he defines love, the true godly love. Let's have the first slide, and it is defined the true godly love this way. Familiar, right? The First Corinthians. Thirteen four to eight b, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and while we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ, which happened two thousand years ago, and in anticipation that He is going to come again, His second coming. During the season of Advent, we as Christians are reminded that we live in the end times. That we need to re-examine ourselves, confess our sins, and repent from it. Live out the life, the live out the life of Jesus, and to be ready for the second coming of Christ. During the last three Sundays, we lit candles of hope, peace, and joy, and then today earlier, the Chong family now they lit the candle of love. John three sixteen, oops. John three sixteen is most uh, popular, familiar passage, not only to Christian but non-Christians alike. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, there can be no greater love. Demonstrated then for God to give up His own Son, in hopes that all who believed in Him may have the ultimate gift of eternal life in God's kingdom. Now you know that God loves you. God loves the world. But let me ask you this question: 
Do you know what God wants from you? Do you know what God wants from you? This is the question that every person has to answer. You need to know what God wants from you. The knowledge would, that knowledge would be very important to how we live our lives. It would change the way you think. It would change the way you speak. It would change the way you act or react. It would change your thoughts and your attitudes, on and on. So let me ask this question again. Do you know what God wants from you? More than anything else, let's learn from our Lord Jesus Christ what God wants from us. And let's read uh, today's scripture reading. Uh, they're taken from Mark chapter 12, 28 to 34. And this whole passage is considered as the great, com uh, co great commandment. The great commandment. I tell you what, um, if you can see <laughs> from far, let's read it together, please. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. In this passage, Jesus provides a Christian form of the Jewish Shema, uh, labeled by some as the, the Jesus Creed, which sums up the Ten Commandments, the relationship of the Christian with our God, and that's sort of the vertical relationship or aspect of life. And then also with others, with others, the horizontal aspect. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Recognizing Jesus' good answer against the, uh, the Sadducees uh, in the previous section, one of the scribes then asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? There's no such uh, an easy answer to this, to this question. There are many commandments from God in the Bible. If you open your Bible at the beginning, the first five books, which is called the law, they showed us that, you know, what, God ple what pleases God. For example, you find ten commandments in which God said, don't steal, 
because that hurts people I love and destroys community. Don't commit murder because that that kills people I created. The rabbis or the teachers of the law, uh, they counted up these commands, and they came up there were 613 commandments in the law. They debate which of these 613 commandments was most important. Which one was the core? Is it more important to not to uh, important not to murder? Or it is more important not to steal? Which commandment? If you get it right, means that you have does it mean that you you have pretty much everything else right? That you are living in the will of God and doing what pleases him? Is that what it is? When the scribe asked the question, he was bo- uh, both trying to test Jesus and also, at the game, you know, this, he honestly, also honestly seeking an answer, having recognized Jesus' wisdom. How did Jesus answer? Let's look at verses 29 to 31. 29. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the first part of the Jewish Shema. The Hebrew word Shema means hear. And it refers to uh, three passages uh, from the Pentateuch in the Old Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4, also Deuteronomy 11.13-21, and then Numbers 15.37-41. And it formed, it formed the important part of the Jewish evening and morning prayer and is used as a Jewish confession of faith. It also formed the basic credo of affirmation of Judaism. And the essential part is here. Is here. The monotheistic uh, confession that Yahweh, uh, the Lord, is the one and only God. This was the core affirmation of Judaism and also Christianity and was the core command that made uh, uh, idolatry, the worship of other gods, uh, an ultimate sin against God. And then in verse 30 and 31, Jesus continues and he said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. To better understand these two verses, let's revisit the Ten Commandments, also known as the Decalogue. The Ten Commandments are ten Laws in the Bible that God gave to the nation of Israel shortly after Exodus from Egypt. The Ten Commandments recorded in Exodus 20 and also Deuteronomy 5 are essentially a summary of the 613 commandments contained in Old Testament, Old Testament law. And let's look at them briefly. The Ten Commandments. The first one, you shall not, you shall have no other god be gods before me. Second, 
You shall not make yourself an idol. Third, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Fourth, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Fifth, honor your father and your mother. Sixth, you shall not murder. Seventh, you shall not commit adultery. Eighth, you shall not steal. Ninth, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Tenth. You shall not covet. The first four commandments deal with our relationship with God, and then the last six commandments deal with our relationship with one another. The two command,、uh, the two commands in verses twenty,、uh, thirty,、uh, and thirty-one sum up the two tables of the Ten Commandments. The first four encompassing encompassing love of God. And then the last six, love of neighbor. We all understand that the most important command is to love God with everything we've got. Don't hold anything back. Your entire life should be a gift of love to God. This command is from Deuteronomy six five, which has three elements, and then Mark here. Adding mind, mind for fourth. The purpose,、uh, the purpose in all the lists is to call for loving God with all we have, with all our whole being, totally and in every facet of our life. Loving the Lord with all your heart, which includes understanding, feeling, and spirit, with all your soul. Which refers to one's entire life, with all your mind—that is,、uh, thinking,、uh, volition—and with all your strength, that one's energy, might, and power. There's a great deal of you know, overlap、uh, between the terms, and Jesus likely here intended for them、uh, to be taken together to love God with all we have. Then Jesus said, "There's the second most important command. It's closely related to the first: love your neighbor as yourself." This is the second summary command, meaning that the love of others is based on the growth out of the love for God. It comes from Leviticus 19:18. Which for the Jews meant primarily a love for the people of Israel, but here Jesus extends the neighbor to encompass all fellow humans. Therefore, our neighbor is not just a fellow believer or one from the same from church or from the same socio-economic or ethnic group. A neighbor is anyone we encounter. Anyone who needs help, and here as yourself, means to love others just as much as you love yourself. And all of us, by nature, are concerned for our own well-being and needs. And this does not mean a self-centered attitude, for Christ has demanded. That we serve and put ourselves last. Rather, it means 
to care for others with the same consideration that we extend to ourselves. In their 2018 book, The Way Back, how Christians blew our credibility and how we get it back. The authors Phil Cook and Jonathan Bach, they write. They said in 1997, Stan Dobbs left the career in the computer industry and packed up for a seminary in Fort、uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. While also working on staff at church, he recognized the incredible numbers of singles and young couples living in apartments. Who reported what? Who reported feeling lonely and unable to connect with other people? It's one of the great、uh, ironies in, of our culture. Multiple families packed into single building, who don't know or rarely come in contact with one another. Fifty percent of the population of Dallas live in apartments. Stan said at the time, and yet the existing outreach strategy have been terribly ineffective in reaching apartment、uh, residents. Stan had an unusual idea, and in 2000, year 2000, he launched an organization called Apartment Life in downtown Fort Worth, with the the goal. Of generate of, oh, no, with the goal of penetrating the walls of massive apartment complexes with the message of gospel, he created a concept he called CARES. This is the acronym: CARES, Community Activities and Resident Services. He created teams, CARES teams. A team would consist of either a married couple. Or two singles of the same gender, and they are given a free apartment for working 80 hours per month to assist the apartment complex management in building community and serving the residents, caring for them. And then Stan's job is to sell this idea, to sell the apartment owner on the idea that. Giving a free apartment to the Christian couple or the two、uh, Christian of same gender will be good for his or her bottom line. His goal is to convince the owner that in exchange for free rent, the couple's job is to create a better and more vibrant sense of community within the complex. To accomplish that, they become. What some might call chaplains for the residents, they visit the sick, hold community events, set a basketball league, and throw and throw pool parties, all designed to bring people together. And it worked. And to date, there are more than 100 of these teams. Working to bring stronger sense of community to people who would otherwise never know their next-door next neighbor, and since 
these team members are Christian couples or singles, spiritual conversations naturally happen. Even though our common life, the organization, our common life is driven by a Christian commitment, I'm driven by Christian commitment, sorry. Their parent owners, they could not be more thrilled. So even non-Christian apartment owners, glad to have these Christian couples, singles, working for them. Verses 32 and 34, uh, 33. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You are truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one, one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. By saying, you are right, teacher, you, are truly, you, truly, you have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. The scribe is acknowledging Jesus is a true teacher of Torah. And here, Mark stretches uh, the scribe, uh, summing up both of Jesus' points to make them all the more emphatic for the readers. Love of God and the resultant love of neighbor are key elements of what it means to be members of God's community. The actual point is this. Sacrifice, sacrifices are essential, but the sacrifices of the heart are given more so, more so. Thank God. And to sum this up, people who profess to worship God brought offerings and sacrifices, but it is not professing to worship God that is important, but rather a love for God which leads to obedience and love for others. Such love makes our worship acceptable to Him. Last but not least, verse 34. And when Jesus saw, he answered wisely. He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Several have noted the contrast between uh, the, the rich young man in chapter 10, uh, who likewise centered uh, on the commandments, but fail uh, to enter the kingdom because of his possessions. And the scribe who is not far from the kingdom of God. Because of the, uh, this scribe's humility and understanding of God's true purpose, he was not far from accepting Jesus as the Christ. He was on the verge of becoming part of the kingdom community. And after that, no one dared ask Jesus any more questions. The leaders are forced to acknowledge Jesus' absolute victory over them. Once again, 
Jesus silences his critics in the very center of the authority, the temple courts. Jesus has demolished their arguments. So, in conclusion, let me ask you the question I asked you earlier: Do you know what God wants from you? And the answer is: Love God. God created this world out of love, and love is the only proper response. The essential truth with which Jesus begins affirms how all persons must relate to God. We are to love Him with all we have, with every fiber of our being. Our worship, in the end, boils down. To this essential reaction of love, the desire to live, the Christian life flows out of it. Love for God defines the essence of being a Christian, and is the basis of every aspect of the Christian life. In a TV commercial a few years ago, a young man is struggling. With whether to go through with an arranged marriage, in his home country, arranged marriages were the norm. But after living in America, he was having second thoughts about adhering to this ancient, to him, ancient custom, especially since he had never met his wife to be. But still. When he flew into the airport, he dutifully waited for her, flowers in his hand, and a gloomy expression on his face. But then, when she stepped through the terminal, everything changed. She was beautiful. Suddenly,、uh, his glimmer demeanor disappeared. The thought of many, the thought of marrying this woman, was no longer a dreaded duty; it was a delight. What had changed? What had changed? He had seen her. Often, we serve God out of obligation. We drag ourselves to church, force ourselves to serve others. But our hearts are not in it. We are like the guy at the airport, grudgingly holding flowers to God or for God. We're trying to live holy, a holy lives, because we know we should as Christian. But it, but it's burdensome. It's joyless. What can change this? What can change this? We can change this by seeing God, by experiencing God. When we get a vision of who God truly is, suddenly we're energized to do His mission. Once we gaze upon His uh, uh, grandeur and glory, obedience、uh, ceases to be arduous. Once we grasp His great love. Serving is no longer a duty, but a joy. Do you know what God 
what God wants from you? Do you know? Second, love neighbor. Love God, a love of God, is the basis for all proper human relationship, as the love that we experience from and with God results in a loving response to those around us. C.S. Lewis, he once wrote, he said, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. In so far as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God, and instead, and instead of God, I shall be moving toward the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. Thank God. Loving our neighbor, that is, anyone we, uh, anyone we encounter, anyone who needs help, it completely connected with loving God. Truly, we cannot do the one without the other. To praise God, at the same time, we vilify or disparage His people is, is contradiction than the gay's love for God. This is true, and our, true whether it's inside or outside the church. What does God want from us? Yes, it all comes down to love, and that's what God cares about, and that's what He thinks uh, is central. That's what he commands us to do. And it's not just a love for God uh, that could somehow ignore the needs of people. No, no. The two most important commandments go together. Go together. Like your right hand and your left hand. When you love God and love other people, you have just offered up the one sacrifice is that God finds pleasing. God asks for nothing, nothing else from you. Get this, and you've got it. Love God and love the people around you. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. May we love our Lord, our God, with all our heart, and with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength, at the same time, love our neighbor as ourselves. For there is no other commandment greater than these. Let's bow him. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for that you so loved the world, that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Father God, help us to love you with all our hearts, and with all our souls, and with all our minds, and with all our strengths. At the same time, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.